it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 4.6 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Westland. And for the intro today, we're joined by Coach Tonegal because today we're talking about something bigger that uh, started last August within our program. And Coach, I want to go back to the Dominican Republic trip that we were on that we talked about a few episodes ago and just what was stirring in our hearts as we were praying about the next thing God wanted to do in our program. I think we're always talking about the next thing. And uh, for us at that moment, we really felt like the Lord had been calling us to give away, um, I guess, ideas and even even what we would consider to be this, the secret sauce of the program. Uh, you know, some of the ways that we have seen um, success, the things that have, have driven success. And so we were kind of at that moment of really we're supposed to give this away because in a competitive world, uh, we felt like maybe somebody would gain an edge on us. And before we get to that fear, I want to go back to the need because what you're talking about is not X's and O's necessarily. It's something bigger that's happened here in this program over time. So what was the need that we kept talking about on that trip to the Dominican Republic that we saw across basketball? It was a hunger, um, but a lot of coaches who had said, you know what, I got into this profession because I wanted to make a big impact, but somewhere along the way, uh, I'm not making the impact I thought, and this is not as fun and as enjoyable as I thought. And so I think the need was just to equip coaches to go further and deeper with their own teams in their own leadership and to be able to build uh, a discipleship culture within their programs. So we started just talking to two coaches that – are doing this and uh, that we're really good friends with Omar Mance at Trevecca Nazarene, Neil Young at Covenant College, guys who have been pursuing this, none of us being experts. And we just said, well, let's put a date on the calendar and just invite a few college coaches in. This was in early August. At that point, what were you expecting would happen when we actually put a date on the calendar? Well, I thought you were, it was your idea. I thought you were a little crazy. Uh, and I wasn't sure who would show up. Um, but, man, the response was incredible. And it actually encouraged us and, and motivated us that, yes, this is what uh, what we had heard. And, uh, yeah, we were responding accordingly. So we just started to kind of dream about and talk and reflect how had God moved? How do we then communicate that in a way that's translatable to other programs? So there were three areas we decided to talk <clears throat> about at this retreat. Uh, how does God's word intersect with basketball? How does prayer lead a program, and how do we create shared experiences on our team? So briefly share a little bit about what was driving those things. Well, I think we, um, I think all Christians struggle with this, and I know I do. I, you know, I've got my faith, but then I've got the real world. I've got my job, and I'm always asking, like, how does faith, when I leave church on Sunday or I leave a men's group, how does what I have heard, what God has spoken, how does that actually intersect my life? And that's been the... Uh, I think the fun and the challenge of our jobs is taking that faith and applying it to our jobs. And so we just kind of started small and said, you know, we, we obviously spend a lot of time in the Word, but how do we take what God is speaking in His Word and apply it to a basketball program? We saw God move through prayer uh, over the years, and so we just said, how do we take that and uh, teach that to other coaches? 
And then the shared experiences part, there's just something powerful about living in community with other believers. So I think at the end of the day, we weren't teaching new ideas or fleshing out a new philosophy. We were just saying, we've seen God move in these ways, uh, and here's how we've structured things. How about you guys go dream about some new ideas and ways that you can take this to your own programs? So in a few weeks, all of a sudden, Coach Manns, Coach Young start sharing it, and we have 26 college coaches that gathered. And it was really a powerful time where uh, there was a shared hunger, a shared desire to go deeper. And it wasn't us as experts teaching everyone what to do. It was more, let's just talk about these three areas and dream about what they can become. And I think the biggest thing that was exciting over the year was just the power of shared kingdom connections and what happens when you have a, a group of like-minded people who are willing to open themselves up and talk about what God's doing. But there's a real fear there. Talk about that fear for a second. Well, I think the fear for me is I often think that um, if I give something away, somebody else gains and I lose. Um, but man, the kingdom is not, a, it's not a zero sum game. And it's crazy how God has designed it to work that way, but we're called to be generous people. And when we actually give away other people, yeah, sure, they're blessed and they receive, but I don't think that things are taken from us. And to rewire myself to think that way in terms of program and philosophy to say, I'm going to, I'm going to share with you guys how we've built this program and, and some of the ways we've been successful um, and lean into that and not be fearful that somebody else is going to gain an upper hand on me, but realize I'm being obedient by, by giving away these things because God's called us to, to be generous. Um, and then at the same time, we're not going to lose anything. And we, we talked throughout this series about how those things come to life, the word, prayer, shared experiences. So hopefully people will see those uh, lived out in our program in practical ways. But what was so exciting was as each month we created a Zoom call and we just got together in no structure. We just shared what God was doing in our programs, shared the challenges we were facing, the tension of how to apply these things. And it was amazing what we heard God doing in different programs throughout the year, in some ways more creative and more powerful than we could have dreamed on our own. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this, but you can only shape people to the degree it, to which you are being shaped. And we'd get on these calls and these coaches would say, hey, here's how I'm being shaped right now and here's how it's affecting the people that I lead. And that stuff would encourage us. We'd, we'd go back and we'd say, okay, let's, let's, let's try that. Let's try this. And it's just as we've talked about, when you get into season, the hyper-competitive side of you, the worldly side of you wants to say this is all about winning. But to get on these monthly calls and to be reminded of our first calling, which is to disciple our players, to love other people, really drove our seasons and kept us on that trajectory that we had left in, in early August. So in, in the first half, we're going to talk to R.J. Barsh. R.J. is a head coach at Southeastern University, and he actually scheduled his flight a week early. So he wasn't there for that, but he came, and we lived some of these things out together for a couple days, and then he was on the calls throughout the year. In the second half, Coach Ryan Osborne from Carmel High School is going to come on, and you and he went way deeper throughout the year, and you guys will talk about that in the second half. The power of a kingdom connection, not for a guy who's necessarily in a, a Christian environment, but who has real faith – and, and wants to pursue God and find more meaning and fulfillment in what he's doing. So we'll share those two conversations, the first and second half. And I think it'll be exciting for listeners to hear a couple ways how being willing to open yourself up, have a deeper kingdom connection, can encourage you, take you to another level, and then help the team you're leading go deeper in terms of their potential. We're joined now by Coach R.J. Barsh from Southeastern University and Coach Greg Tonegal. And before we get into this season, I want to go back a couple years because uh, several years ago when we first connected, it was right before we played in a huge game. It was to go to the Final Four for both programs, the first Final Four in program history. 
but there was something deeper that happened between our programs that year. So let's let's just go back, coaches, as, as head coach of the program, the first time we were able to connect and the way it led to just a mutual respect between the programs. Go ahead, RJ. I'll let you tell the story from I, your perspective. I remember um, it was our university's first time making the national tournament for basketball. And um, when you were in a, a new situation, you know, the, the thing you rely on the most is the thing that you're closest to. So that was my fate. And uh, we got the email uh, of the correspondence that there would be um, a, a prayer breakfast and coaches would meet up for prayer every day up, you know, going into the tournament. And so uh, I told my staff, well, we're going to be there. <laughs> and, um, and we're going to be there till we go home. <laughs> and so we started going to the breakfasts and, uh, you know, as, as the days went on and the, the team started to drop off and we, we connected with the Indiana Westland staff simply because, I mean, uh, their hearts are pure that day one. It's literally everyone's excited to be there, uh, but we're connecting about our faith. And we were talking about our journey, and and, and, and you guys had mentioned uh, your, uh, you know, uh, you guys had went on a trip or something that first morning. You guys, someone talked about a trip. You guys had went on. Or there was a parent or somebody that mentioned it, and I remember looking at my assistant, just like that's that's what it's about. I mean, winning is is, is amazing, but this is the first thing that these guys talk about. Like they're not even. I mean, of course they're worried about the games, but they're worried about these. They're worried about their players' lives. I'm like, man, if they're in there, we're going to be in there. <laughs> and, um, and that was just a beautiful, uh, organic connection that the Lord, Lord created. Yeah, it's pretty cool that uh, it all started off the court. And I remember watching your team. You guys upsetted the number one team in that tournament on that last second shot, which was a, yeah. just a crazy victory. And then, you know, we end up meeting up later on in the, in the Final Four. But the friendship that came out of that, the mutual respect, I think, uh, there was just something different. We knew that we, we were going to be friends for a while. So so let's fast forward to this year then because we've kept in general contact, but probably not deep contact from that time. There's always been a shared respect, but not a deep friendship necessarily. And you and Jordan Widener talked about you coming up when we were going to host the, the greater retreat in August. So, Coach Barsh, what sparked you to come? And then maybe tell the story about how you didn't end up at the greater retreat. Well, the whole connection with Jordan, too, was really cool because – uh, just watching his story from being on that Final Four team, that, that the team that had beat us, uh, I remember talking to my players about just the system and, and the integrity that it seemed like he played with and he how hard he played. And then when I saw he was on the staff and he had emailed me a couple times, so there was like, there's always something that happened in that in that tournament uh, in 2014 that was still living. And uh, when he had called and said, "Hey, we wanted want to do this retreat and you know uh, the greater connection," I was like, "Man, that." That it sounds like something, you know, that I, I definitely want to know. And then from a basketball sense, I kind of want to see, you know, the ins and outs of what you what you all do and to know that it's it's seeped in faith. Now, me being, you know, the head coach assistant and the director of basketball, I kind of got my dates <laughs> mixed up. And uh, I remember, call, I think I called you, Coach Clark, and I was sitting in the airport. And you're like, hey, Coach, it's actually next week uh, for the Greater Connection. I end up coming up and uh, immersed with the staff one-on-one, which is really what God wanted. Wanted me to wanted me to do and connect and maybe get some alone time and just walk and be with him and and meet with you guys. But it was a beautiful uh, another one of those organic experiences that uh, happened. How God wanted it to happen. Yeah, what I remember. Uh, so obviously you weren't part of the the twenty some coaches that gathered, but yeah. you, you came up and met with individual coaches, individual players. 
I remember our breakfast at Bob Evans, and it was just a time where we were able to go deeper and share our hearts, both basketball-wise, but also what God was doing, what God was doing next, what was stirring in our hearts and our passions. And it's a breakfast I'll probably never forget because it spurred me on in meaningful ways. Coach, what was your experience being here for 24 hours and interacting with different guys within our program? I know one thing from trying to be a coach that leads spiritually is sometimes you have anxiety that you're not doing enough. And sometimes you, 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 when a guy doesn't make it per se in your, in your, uh, in your framework of what making it looks like, you're hard on yourself because you, you feel like you could have done more. And then when you go and you sit down with, you know, four men from the staff that are doing it at a high level and you see that God's having you do some of the same things they're doing and they're dealing with some of the same anxieties. And as long as you still have that kind of that anxiety that you're not doing enough, I think you're doing it right. <laughs> That's kind of what I, we got out of it because we both were sitting at that breakfast and then I met with, with some of your players. Everyone feels like we can always be doing more spiritually. What, what else can we be doing? And, and that's how I kind of felt. I think on the way there, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to figure out what else I can be doing spiritually, and then I won't feel this feeling anymore. But what I got from meeting with all the coaches is, you know, we live with this tension of there's more we could be doing at all times. Uh, it's not that we have to create a system to do it, but you yourself as a coach have to be faithful with your disciplines. That's one thing I picked up is every individual coach has their own confidence in Christ based on their individual relationship and their disciplines. And that was important for me to bring back to my staff. Like, hey, you've got to be stewarding yourself before you steward somebody else. And that's one of the things I want to hear from both you guys on because we're all trying to apply our faith in a different context. So it's going to look different. But a lot of times this profession can be so isolating, we can't get to that point because we think we have to do it on our own. We have to do more. But there is this power in connecting with another man who has the same heart and is on the same mission, maybe applying it in different directions. So why is it so important and how has it encouraged you both to have kingdom connections where you can be honest and share what God's doing in your life, but then feel some of those same tensions that other coaches are feeling? I'll, I'll step in. I, th- I think what we're learning about kingdom connections are just the way they multiply um, synergies and and the way we leverage things through kingdom uh, connections. And and when we say kingdom kingdom connections, we're not talking about, you know, just just because I'm on a staff doesn't mean I'm I'm leaning into true uh, biblical community or just because I'm on a team doesn't mean I I have real authentic relationships. We're talking about where we kind of push through some of these superficial layers where we, we lean into each other's lives and, and, you know, there's moments where I can't even see the, the reality of my situation, but when I got a guy on my staff who maybe can be my eyes for that moment for me, then he's become that kingdom connection. Or a coach like you, RJ, we're going to talk about it maybe later, but you gave us that, that worship song, So Will I, and that was a key moment for me personally at the national tournament. You know, God really spoke in that moment, and that's that kingdom connection. You saw something and gave me something that I couldn't see in that moment. And so leaning into these in a profession that really drives through a lot of loneliness has been very beneficial for me. And I want to get to how the story of both of our season dovetailed multiple times. Let's start just with a moment when we played each other. So we traveled down and we played at your place at Southeastern. And I thought it was pretty cool what you both agreed to do. On the morning of the game, Coach Barsh gives a devotional thought to Indiana Wesleyan's team. And Coach Tano gives one to Southeastern team, which I'm not sure that's ever been done yeah, in go figure. college basketball. 
just because of this tendency to want to protect. So what did you guys experience that day? I know for me, um, I was glad that my, I'm so, I'm like this motivational guy at all times and, you know, I'm running hot. And so it was, I was thrilled that my team would be able to sit with Coach Tonigo and get some, some, some wisdom from a different voice. Uh, and then I also was blessed and challenged that, man, here I have 17, 18 people in front of me, and there may be somebody here who doesn't know God, and I get an opportunity the day of a game to potentially get someone closer to the light. I'm going to go hard on this. And uh, it totally forgot that we have the game for that, those 25 minutes and immerse ourselves in our calling. And I remember when it was over, and, uh, you know, talking to somebody else about it, and they're like, man, why would you do that? And then I'm just like thinking to myself, you know, in hindsight, I don't know why I did that, um, but I do pray for opportunities uh, to make sure that the ministry is important, more important than the hoops. And that was one of those opportunities to, to actually walk that out. You know, for me, uh, I think too often, sometimes my competitiveness is driven by pride. So initially, I was like, I'm not sure I want to give a really great devotion to this team because if they, if they come out and kick our butts tonight, how am I going to feel? And uh, that, but that's still that tension we talk about. You know, as we as we give away things, it's not a zero sum game. And so, just because I'm blessing, you know, maybe Southeastern today, doesn't mean I'm taking away from my team. And I've got to be able to let down that that pride and and, and lean into some humility. So. It, it, to me, it was an exercise in humility. I, I don't know if your team got anything out of it, but for me, I grew during that process. And it, for, from my perspective, listening to Coach Barsh, you know, he's this dynamic, motivational speaker, and our guys were still talking about some of the examples you gave weeks and months later, so it was transformative. But what was neat for me was, was not only how it resonated with the players, but then that night, how competitive the game was. It was two ranked teams, and it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to yeah. be nice, and we're just going to share this sweet moment and then have fun together. No, our guys went to war that night, and, and I think that's a picture of how, how this should be. But, but let's go to another place where we dovetail a little bit. So after the, the greater retreat, uh, we had monthly connections where coaches could get on, and it wasn't structured. It was more just, hey, let's share what God's doing, both good, let's share the challenges we're having in the year, and Coach Barsh, you were part of those multiple times. Coach Tonigo, I was. Uh, what did you guys experience on those? Because, again, there were places we went to as coaches that often we don't have a spot because it's such an isolating profession. I know there were multiple times where we'd be on the call and a coach would, would share a prayer request or a vulnerability or, or, or a praise report. And the reason that they're probably sharing it is because they know we all have practice plans and we all are, are small cause programs. So we all have those same tensions so we can understand better than telling somebody else. So like you're laying it at the feet of people who understood what you were walking through. And uh, we all deal with, deal with different things. And what it helped me to do is there are some things in my own life uh, that I needed to lay at the feet of some men of God and to be prayed with and then also to celebrate with. And so it gave me that outlet. I think that's the kingdom connection. The connection was always there. What made it kingdom was I was able to put a prayer request in front and guys rally for me and guys are praying for me and praying for my wife and, and things of that nature. And then when the praise happens, I'm still getting text messages from different guys mm -hmm. of things that have came forward in, 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 our, in our personal lives. But for me, it was like I'm carrying this backpack full of things I, I want to lay at the feet of some kingdom men who understand the tensions of coaching and fundraising and, and, and different aspects. 
and then get a response from it. That's what, when I saw that that, that was available, it was rare because I had never seen that in any other aspect of my life outside of my small group at church. Um, but they think it's cool that I'm a basketball coach. I'm talking to the, uh, you know 12 other guys who are all head coaches who are all fighting this fight. And so that was the kingdom connection of being able to lay something at the feet of people and then them rally for you. Yeah, I remember one particular moment where you opened up and shared a very transparent prayer request. And then later you told me, I wasn't planning on sharing that today. Not many people know. But as I heard this other coach share something, I just knew I needed prayer from you guys. And later I got texts from multiple coaches saying that was exactly what they needed to hear that day. And those were the type of things that were exciting as coaches opened their hearts and shared. Uh, We were just able to go to places, like you said, coaches who have similar pressures, similar struggles, but they're able to take them to a specific spot. I think it elevated everybody in, in some level. But I want to fast forward now to the to the national tournament because both programs made it again, and I want to go to the morning of the prayer breakfast. You talked about it earlier, the first time we met, but then we had that same prayer breakfast again at, at this national tournament, and it was something for us that you shared something that was catalytic for our team. So wh- what do you guys remember about that morning? Well, I, I alluded to it um, we sat around with a bunch of programs, and we just kind of asked the question, you know, what, what's God been doing in your own life and in your programs? And, and I'll let you talk about the specifics of how uh, the, the worship sh- song that you shared. But w- for whatever reason, it was powerful, and it was very meaningful, and it was just the time was appropriate. And since then, it's the number one song played on my Spotify I, in the mornings and the evenings. And it's just it's led me to new places of worship. So I'll, I'll let you kind of tell the context of that. So, there, so you know, being a motivational speaker, I'm always looking for connections to, to things that are real in the moment. And a worship song uh, that uh, a worship singer named Osby had made a rendition to So Will I. You know, some of the lyrics say, if the stars are made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. Well, happened that, you know, in my conference, we use something called the rock. And when you play basketball, you use the rock. Hmm. You know, we call the ball the rock. I mean, that's what, you know, hey, pass the rock. And so that morning when I'm worshiping with that song, I'm just like, you know, I want to worship with, I want to show that I am the rock and I'm going to worship God in this. And if, and if anything else, so will I worship. No matter what happens, I'm going to worship. I am not going to let... My situation out worship. I'm not gonna let this all out worship. Nothing's gonna out worship me giving glory to Christ. I mean, and so then that moment, I would like see the trees outside, and I'm getting competitive. Like, no, not today, tree. I'm out worshiping you <laughs> in my actions. And I, and I walk in that prayer breakfast that morning, and, and I see the coaches. And I'm thinking, like, hey, you know, somebody here might win more games this week, but they they're not gonna out worship me. It's not gonna happen. And um. And it just it just connected the dots for me. Uh, so will I. Like no matter what the circumstance, so will I. So if you're on this podcast, I would yeah, the song is "So Will I." It's a beautiful song. The lyrics are are, are are very very touching and they're real because you can't escape. You know, looking at the trees and knowing they're the creation of God and that, and that they're worshiping God as their creation, and so are and so are we. And what's, what's going to be exciting for listeners is we actually have five episodes later that center around this song and how that song came to life on the court for five different players during the national tournament. It's a, it's a story we couldn't have written, a story you probably wouldn't believe if you don't know who God is. 
Uh, last thing that, that I just remember about that morning is, uh, you know, you had mentioned on this greater connection a, a specific prayer request, and we've been praying for that diligently. And then you shared that morning away. God had miraculously answered a prayer. Uh, it, it's probably a moment I'll never forget. And again, I think it speaks to the kingdom connection. Uh, if, if we hadn't been willing to open ourselves up early, if you hadn't been willing to open yourself up, we never would have had that moment that was transformative for our season. And and I think everyone in that room will always remember that. So yeah, it was it was beautiful. To, uh, there's another part in the song that says, "As you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear." And the prayer request that I have put forth with the other kingdom coaches, uh, I feel like I had a billion failures in <laughs> uh, what we were trying to accomplish with my wife's health and, and, and having a baby. But be able to sit there with the coaches and say, "Hey, look, my wife's health's in a good place. She's you know she's fighting every day with her with her leukemia. But guess what? We're, we're bringing a, a baby into this world." <laughs> now uh so the, the song is right and so is god when joe houston wrote that song the billion failures disappear and you worship while they disappear and so that was cool and like you said it was good that there was a vulnerable moment like four months before that three months before that where we where i mentioned that and that's the kingdom part of the connection so last thing from you guys how would you encourage a coach who's listening to this that in their heart they're yearning to go deeper with other coaches and other leaders who have the same pressure, but they don't know how to get there because they're they're protective, they're fearful, they don't want to open themselves up. How would you encourage them forward? I know what I would say is uh, what was in, most encouraging for me is, I mean, small college program with probably one of the, the most successful in the levels is Indiana Wesleyan, and and from a competitive standpoint, you want to be competitive, and and, and when you realize that the ones who are, who are winning the most are, are, are actually the ones who uh, have found that their faith is the catapult and the catalyst for it. It's not just just speak. It's not just talk. You know, this is real. And, and then it's, it's just, it's much more applicable when, when, when the winner is doing it in my, in, in, from my seat. And so for me, if there's another coach out there who's like on the fence about this, I will tell you this, you will enjoy your wins more and learn from your losses more with the kingdom connection, because you'll be able to see beyond just the court. And that's ultimately what we all want to do. I always study the coaches who are 80 or 90 and what they remember the most, and they remember the moments. And when you have Kingdom Connection, you can see you get to create more of those moments. And when we come back, we're going to hear from a, from another source, a high school coach who maybe it's applied in a different way. It's, it's uh, not necessarily the same context, but there's that same uh, capacity to go deeper, to open themselves up, and how it's led to, to more potential and more fulfillment in coaching. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.ins mgt.com. Now back to the second half.
All right, I'm joined with uh, head coach of the Carmel Greyhounds, Ryan Osborne. And uh, let me back that up. I'm actually talking to the, the state champion, the 2019 state champion coach of the Carmel Greyhounds, Ryan Osborne. Welcome and congratulations, Ryan. Coach, thanks. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Well, hey, let me, uh, let's go back a little bit. I think a lot of people probably think, hey, it's, it's easy to get to that place, and they maybe forget, you know, when they, when they see Carmel in the state championships, they don't really know your story, and they don't really know how hard it's been to, to get to that place. And it, I, I think I met you, I mean, I met you before you were, you were coaching, but, but in that coaching journey, there were some ups and downs, and specifically when uh, maybe it didn't go the way you wanted to at Avon High School. Um, maybe talk a little bit to the listeners about your journey to get to where you're at today. Yeah, coach. Uh, it, it definitely it's been it's been trying, uh, just like everyone. I think, and uh, as I get older, I, I mean, I start to realize that everybody has a story. And, um, and I think was just talking to players this morning. It's it's what you do with that story. It's what you do uh, through those down moments, maybe uh, that determine uh, your next step. And, and I, I feel very uh, fortunate uh, to be where I am. And um, and through that process, I think has uh, has kind of changed me as a, as a person uh, in leaning on different things. And um, so, so back it up to uh, Avon days. And I think at 30 years old, I, I was young and uh, had, had coached at, at IUPUI for a couple years. And uh, at that time, felt like I was on top of my game and uh, felt at that point like I was was accomplished and, and had an idea of where I was was going uh, 30 years old uh, teaching uh, PE at Avon High School department chair uh, varsity assistant coach um, 2011 I had just finished our uh, best record I guess in, in school history uh, in, as a basketball program and uh, had just had our second child uh, my wife was teaching at Brownsburg our kids were local to the district. We lived right across the street. And, uh, at 30 years old, I think at that you feel like you got everything figured out. Um, and that was I don't know early April, middle of April, when I, when I found out that uh, there were budget cuts um, due to a referendum not passing, and uh, that I would not be I would not return as a, as a coach, as a teacher, and would have to look for a job. Uh, so at that time, I mean, you start to question a lot of things and, uh, at a point where I think you're still young and you feel like you're in control of everything hmm. uh, and all of your success is because of what you've done and uh, the way you've laid things out. Uh, you you ulti- ultimately, I think, find out that that's not the case. Um, and so in a spot where I felt like I had controlled everything and had, had been to that point somewhat successful, uh, now I'm at a point where with family and um, I don't have a job and kind of searching for who I was. Hmm. So, you know, we often say that in, in those moments we would never choose it, but in hindsight we wouldn't trade it. What what aspect of that very difficult journey have you now used uh, for the position you're in now? You know, I mean, I, the perspective on life has, has changed. Um just to be grateful, you know, be grateful for opportunities and make the best of opportunities. And, um, you're going to be challenged and it's not going to be the last challenge or uh, obstacle that we face. 
uh, and maybe more difficult than that. You just never know. Um, and, and so I think just the life perspective of um, being, I feel like I'm very blessed, very fortunate um, to be in a position that I'm in and uh, take full advantage of it, try to reach as many people, as many kids uh, as we can. And, um, and then when obstacles come your way, see, I mean, just try to try to take it in stride. Absolutely. So you talk about perspective. Why don't you give the listeners the perspective of losing in a state finals your first year to winning it in your second year? I mean, what's that like? Um, <laughs> you, you know, the, I give a lot of credit to the kids for that. I mean, that, that was uh, we put a lot of work in and, and felt like we had a, a, a good, talented team, a, a guy, a group of guys that, that were committed and um, to get to, I don't know, as, as a first year head coach to, to get to that point. Um, was a great experience. I mean, unbelievable experience, and I'll never downplay that. I'm so fortunate to, to get to that point. Uh, but going through that experience and, and having a, a returning group that felt like they could get back uh, was was the overcoming. That was the first obstacle. I mean, to get a team that, that can believe, uh, we felt like we had a chance. Hmm. And so to to bring that to bring that group back. Um, with the, the great leadership that we had through the senior class, uh, I think they, they never doubted themselves. Uh, and I, I feel like very another group that, that I was very fortunate to coach. You know, you and I had a conversation uh, shortly thereafter winning, and it, it really resonated with me when, when I won uh, my first championship. It kind of didn't fulfill me in a way that I thought it would. Um, and you had a similar moment, because I think most of us, before we've reached that pinnacle, we think if I just get there, it's over, I'm done, I'll be happy. And then you get there and you go, I mean, this is good, don't get me wrong, but right. this ain't going to completely. Why, why don't you maybe talk a little bit about that? There are so many coaches out there that are saying, if I can just be like that and win a state championship, yeah. then I'm done. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we grow up, I mean, both of us, you grow up in Indiana and you're playing high school basketball and... I mean, that's, that's the pinnacle. That's something that, that you dream of. That's an opportunity that, that you, you strive for. And um, it, there's a lot of buildup. <laughs> and, and then uh, to, to accomplish that, and, and I, I will never downplay it. I mean, it's, it's something that, that will always be special. It's something that, that is, uh, I feel very fortunate to be a part of. Um, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of commitment, uh, not from myself, but from the people that surround me um, to get to that point. Uh, but like what you were saying, you get to that point, now what? Um, it, it's, they're fleeting moments. Hmm. Um, it, it's, it, it's enjoyable, it's fun, but, but life goes on. I mean, there, there's another day and um, you don't, that's, that, what you find out, I think, is that's not, not the ultimate um, that, that you that you thought. Mm. Um, and again, I, I don't I don't know. I don't you don't want to downplay winning a state championship because it is special. It's special in Indiana. Um, but but uh, but you you take on another day and, and you find uh, more gratitude. I think in working with the kids that you have. Yeah, absolutely. The development of your kids and watching them change over time. Uh, than you do maybe a championship. So you, you described it well. I mean, obviously, we're competitive people, and we don't ever want to um, cease to be competitive. 
But at sure. the same time, there, there is a deeper driving force to, to what we do. And, and I've gotten to know you over the years as, as we've been more intentional in our relationship. Uh-huh. Faith has played a big part of that. And uh-huh. we've talked about this a lot, and I think maybe coaches can resonate with this, but there's this isolating nature within coaching for whatever reason, mm-hmm. especially the higher you go. So you get to that head job, and all of a sudden you, you realize it's maybe a little lonelier at the top than, than you would have thought. <laughs> But when we can yeah. develop relationships that, that push us and encourage us, especially in the areas of faith, I think our coaching becomes deeper and more meaningful. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit, listeners, about some of the things we've done, uh, memorizing scripture, just talking, the accountability, how, how that's maybe helped you become a better coach. Sure. Um, and, and I think what sticks with me is the, and we were just talking about this yesterday, is the, the freedom that comes with it and the feeling of freeness um, that, that you get when, when you're in the word or when uh, you find confirmation in, in what you're doing daily and uh, rewind to uh, last year when we uh, started the memory verse with Philippians three. And um, I felt like at that time, uh, just committing a, a certain part of the morning, every morning uh, it started my day with discipline uh, and, the, the thing that stuck with me, the, the quote that stuck with me is, is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Hmm. Um, and, and I felt like when I was in that moment, when I was, when I was digesting all of the, the word and uh, being intentional and, and diving in, uh, it resonated, it continued throughout my day. Uh, and and then that continued into practice, and then the week of practice seemed to be it. Just, there just became a certain amount of joy that hmm. came with it. Um, and but then the other thing we talked about is you get in the, the mode of busyness and uh, the the feeling the the feeling of freedom that that I was talking about. You kind of you lose that when you get in the, the busyness, the anxiousness, the anxiety of uh, the daily preparation. Uh, practice plans or uh, scouting or, or uh, player development or, or whatever that is. Um, and, and so the balance of finding that, um, that that intentional time, including that in your day, and still, uh, still pre- preparing, still uh, being good in practice, it, it, there's a balance there and it, it becomes very difficult. But hmm. I guess my point is when, when I found time to do it, um, it, it made my days, made my weeks so much more enjoyable, so much more. I just felt more fulfilled. Yeah. You know, you, you described it well. There's this dichotomy on, on one end of the spectrum. There's this busyness and there's this this need to constantly keep up in the coaching profession. But then there's this joy that, that we're supposed to have as we go about our coaching. Yeah. And uh, part of this greater movement, so we, we started this conference last year where – we started talking about uh, how do we redefine greatness? Maybe greatness isn't measured only in wins or championships or money or position, but but maybe there's a different definition. And as I hear you talk about that, it's measured in the impact we make upon others. It's measuring in, in the way we, we spread uh, God's love through our sport and the things we're able to, to do. What would you say, as you think about the coaching profession, what needs to be redefined? Um, in terms of greatness and, and how might coaches find more enjoyment in what they're doing and actually be better at what they're man. doing. Yeah. And man, I, I, I never, it's for me, it's, it's never, I never realized what 
I don't know, I call it a daily battle, a daily balance of um, that competitiveness that, that drives you uh, in staying within the word. And, and, and what where I find myself um, to be best, I guess, is, is when, when I'm the most consistent, hmm. when, when there's not as many highs and there's not as many lows. Um, and you can project on the people that you're teaching or your athletes, your players, uh, what you think is important for life. Um, and I think when you're, when you're in it, when you're in that, the, uh, the intentional time in the word, or, uh, you're spending time, uh, filling yourself, you're able to project that better on hmm. the people that you're teaching. And, and at the end of the day, that's what gives you fulfillment. And, and if you're doing that, I think sometimes the results are what follow. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, if, you, if we lay your head down at night, you can feel like you've done that in a day. I feel like at least I've been successful that day. Putting five or six of those days together that's what becomes difficult for me. <laughs> well, I, I like what you said about um, the results will follow. What I've learned uh, over the years is it's not a compromise. As I pursue God first and others second, I don't have to comp- compromise the success of my program. In fact, I think it enhances my program. I think when I lean into people and I coach people primarily instead of only coaching basketball, these people come alive and these people flourish. And these people, they, they reach their potential. And when my people reach their potential, so does my team. And, uh, but, but to do that, as, as you said, we, we're starting to call these kingdom connections. We, we have to be intentional about the people we talk to, we open up to. And that's, I think, the power of what I've seen over our relationship over the last year is that we're leaning on each other and we're encouraging each other. We're, we're vulnerable with each other because coaching's not easy. It's not a straight shot to the top. But man, can it be a rewarding journey when you live in that way. So I appreciate you taking the time today to explain that to listeners. And I would encourage coaches out there to reach out to Ryan uh, and just make a connection with him. And and hopefully our connections continue to grow and we can be of great encouragement to each other. Thanks, Coach. I I appreciate it. really do. All right, Ryan. Have a good one, man. Thank you. You too. On our next episode... We're going to continue the conversation about identity, having Trevor Waite, Joel Okafer, and Evan Maxwell join to talk about where the team was at in the preseason heading into the first games. You'll also hear from Coach Tonegal about playing with the number one ranking and continuing the conversation about the box versus the line mentality. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, Please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.